0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sunday Stash, here with episode number 16. And honestly, I would say that this week was a fairly tame week compared to a few of the weeks of the past, so pretty tame uh, for me personally. I ended up getting the first uh, shot. I think of the Pfizer vaccine for COVID. I figured might as well go ahead and get it if it's being offered. I got it in my my left arm, and for the first like two days, I was really definitely feeling kind of shitty. But afterwards, um, it I actually feel pretty good now. Uh, it took a couple of days. I, I had a, a bit of a I guess it would be considered low energy for the first uh, the first two to three two to three days that I had it. But after that. Uh, everything started to to come back to, to normal. So I'm feeling pretty good now that I'm, I'm done with uh, the first couple of days. Um, I, I did have some headaches and low energy in my shoulder where the, the shot had gone was hurting. But other than that, feel 100%. Um, in addition to that, I, I started running again. It's been pretty tough. Uh, I, I used to run all the time, but I, I kind of got out of it because I started powerlifting. And now that I've put some weight on, I got to go back into running again and it's just been tough because my, my legs are not really used to it so I've only been running two miles pretty much every other day because my legs are definitely not used to it calves are not used to it quads are not used to it so definitely having a hard time with that I say a hard time it's not that difficult but it's just uh, I don't feel like I used to but I think uh, after after a couple of weeks of doing it I'll get back into normal and be able to run four, five six miles like it's nothing. So, we'll see how that goes. I'm going to I'm going to keep doing that over the next couple of weeks. I'm still going to go to the gym and do some powerlifting, but for the most part, I am going to cut back on the lifting and start running significantly more often. All right, jumping into the topics of the week. I want to talk about Twitter and how much of a absolute shit show Twitter is. And then I'll go into my issue, my personal issues with uh, politics today. I would uh, not be able to forgive myself if I didn't go into talking about Trump and Trump's impeachment number 2. And then the last thing I wanna talk about is the stock market influencers. So I'll get into the first topic, and it's Twitter. So, and with this, I'm not talking about Twitter and its recent history necessarily, but Twitter as a whole, you know, long-term history. I think that it's important to, to mention a few background items before I continue to really talk about my personal issues with it. So Twitter has been around since 2006. It was founded by Jack Dorsey, um, Evan Williams, Noah Glass, and Biz Stone. Dorsey, he started as the CEO, but later he stepped down and Williams became the CEO in 2008. Later on, a, a guy named Dick Castallo became the CEO and, uh, that was in 2010 until Dorsey took back over in October 2015. And since October 2015, Jack Dorsey has been the CEO of Twitter. Now he doesn't necessarily control everything, but you know, as the CEO, it's kind of like being a ship captain. Um, everything is your responsibility, kind of. So your hands are kind of played in everything. Um, so Jack Dorsey does play a huge role in the company. Obviously, he's the guy that came to Congress and testified. Uh, he's the one that did the, the Zoom call with Congress. You know, The long beard kind of looked like a homeless man. Um, so anyway, Twitter started off fairly quickly with everything that they did. They actually got 100 million followers. So in the, in the span of about six years, they got, they totaled out to, not totaled out, but they ended up developing 100 million followers by 2012. Then if you move on here in 2020, you're looking at 340 million users. So I think that that's actually pretty good, Um, decent growth. Now, when you look at world population-wise, Twitter is only used by about 4% of the world population, and that's not necessarily all that good, but that means they do have a lot of room to grow. Now, let's compare that to the 2.3 billion users that Facebook has. I think there's, what, 7.8 billion people in the United United States, uh, not in the United States, in the world So, you know, Facebook has significantly more users than Twitter does. Now, that's 2.3 billion users. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are daily active users or that they are actually active. And the 340 million users for Twitter is not necessarily active users. That just might be the people that have accounts. So, um, I think it's important. It merits mentioning that Parler the app that was uh, shut down or the, the the platform that was shut down, they only have 15 million users. So something to, to really think about. Uh, you know, My reasoning behind mentioning the users is the idea that people are pushing that uh, Parler had such a huge influence on the events that happened in the capital. Their user base is pretty small, so I don't, I don't know if that really plays that much of a role. So anyway, something to think about at least. In the U.S., Twitter has about 68 million monthly active users. I'd say you know 68 million users is a decent amount, especially for them to be active. But that actually tot- comes out to only about 20% of Americans. You know, and those those numbers are very heavily weighted towards the younger crowds. So older older people tend to use Facebook, and the younger crowds um, usually people you know below, roughly below 30 are the ones that are 30, 35, and below are the ones that are using Twitter. That's the vast majority of people. So what is Twitter? I, I, most people have probably heard of it. They kind of know what it is. They kind of know what it is What it is that Twitter does. So anyway, Twitter is this idea. It's just a, a public forum where, where people can come and they can share their opinions as long as the, the topic or the, the post is under 280 characters. And if you cl- include a video with your video with your stuff then it has to be under 140 characters supposedly it used to be 140 and then they expanded it to 280 characters and uh you know i guess it used to be also that what eight it was like eight to nine percent of people reached the the limit for tweets but now today i guess ever since they expanded it only one percent of people have reached their uh the limit. So you can also use this thing called a—it's called a pound sign. That's actually what it's called. It's called a pound sign, not a hashtag. But now today, it's called a hashtag. Um, and this essentially allows you to to group things together. You know, it, I guess it's done by cross cross referencing everything. So anyway, when you do that, when you when you use the pound sign, obviously, or the the hashtag, you can post things that then are grouped together with everything that is in that hashtag. So that's something to also know and pay attention to. Um, You can follow people. uh, They can follow you. And anytime you post something, they'll get it. Um, Honestly, I don't really think that I need to explain Twitter. Most people really kind of understand it. It works pretty much the same way as every other social media website out there or social media app. Um, I would say one of the big differences, at least from what I've been able to think of and notice, is the fact that Twitter... Is, so you can post anything on Twitter. You can put your profile as private or you can put it as public. And But if you, anything that you post, if your profile is not private, anything you post, anyone can see. Um, if you use hashtags, then what it does is it categorizes all that stuff together inside of, 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 a, of a group. You know, so most most social medias use that public and private function function. But Twitter is a little different because anybody that searches anything can see that. So sometimes what you'll see is things on tr- on Twitter will trend. And it won't necessarily be a hashtag that's trending. It may be a word that's trending or something like that. So I think that's one of the differences that you can usually find with Twitter and, and how everything goes. Twitter banned Trump recently from their platform with the reasoning that they violated the terms of service. And, the, I, and my, I, I, believe, I believe this is their way Trying to distance themselves from Trump as much as possible, you know, Facebook did the same thing. They started they started banning um, Facebook groups that were associated with uh, Trump supporters and that were used to coordinate the the gatherings, everything for the uh, the events and stuff that happened at the Capitol. Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and Shopify, and that's not necessarily all of them. There's a lot of the different companies out there. They all started removing. Trump stuff from their websites. Then Google removed Parler from their store. Apple removed Parler from their store. And then the final nail in the coffin was Amazon Web Services removed Parler from their web web hosting services. And that effectively shut down that app. Now, I find it funny because, as I discussed before, Parler only has about 15 million users. You know, and that's with the few hundred thousand possibly a million that were added in right around that same day. Right around that day where Trump ended up getting banned from Twitter, a lot of people ended up downloading Parler because they wanted somewhere to go. So Parler has about 15 million users. So you mean to tell me that a platform with 15 million users is the cause of all this, right? Big tech took a knee-jerk reaction and banned the little guy saying that they were taking the right steps by shutting down that bad speech so big tech shut down a set effectively shut down an, an entire platform but that platform 15 million users right it, i guess obviously they didn't want that platform to to continue to grow it's a competitor right you essentially collectively all joined up together to shut down a growing platform I, th- I think that that's a little bit wild. So I-, I think that it's their way of trying to sacrifice one company to save themselves from regulation. Uh, I'm not saying that they need regulation either, but they can't continue to, to do this stuff, in my opinion. You know, They make a mistake and then they apologize to the public, and they say that they're going to do better next time. It, it, I think it's absolute bullshit, and they shouldn't be able to get away with that. When they had data leaks, um, when, they, when you know, they, we discovered that they were taking more information from us than what they actually were supposed to. Or even here not too long ago when people discovered, I think it was with iPhones, when people discovered that their Instagram apps were turning their their cameras and their microphones on when the app wasn't even, wasn't even in use. So, and then all they do is they come out and they say, sorry, we messed up. Right, all they do all they do is say, "Oops, we messed up. We're sorry. We'll do better next time." They basically say this, they say that this is a learning process, and that they're still just trying to figure things out. Right then, here, not too long ago, you have the release of this movie, The Social Dilemma, and I think I talked about this in my first episode, and how how much. Basically, these, these big tech guys have come out and they said, yeah, well, yeah, we're real sorry that we created this thing that basically has addicted all of America to this, right? You just have to continue to go back, right? Those little things, the like buttons, right? The shares, the heart on Instagram, the thumbs up on Facebook, right you just drag, all you got to do you just got to drag down to refresh we're, we're we're sorry that we made you guys addicted to this and and we're and, and we're you know we're going to do better you know personally i can't trust these people at all they act like they don't know what they're doing and then they give us this give us this half-assed apology while they run back to silicon valley and they don't really change much of anything you know is this going to change what i do personally no not really you know, there's not really much else out there for any, th- any other options. Obviously, as we saw, they shut down Parlour. Yes, Parlor was a space that white supremacists, I guess, would go to. But it's because they were being silenced on Twitter. And I'm not saying that you need to give white supremacists a voice. I, I don't necessarily think that that is the answer. But when you get silenced in one place, you're going to find somewhere else to do it. It's either going to be out in the open and people know who you are and know what you're saying, or it's going to be in the dark. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe having it out in the open might be the best thing. So we know who these people are, right? If you if it's hidden behind closed doors, people are gonna end up staying hidden. I don't know. I I don't know if like I said. I don't know if that's the necessarily banning everyone and sending them to the shadows is necessarily the right answer. You know, sometimes I, I think Zuckerberg, when he did his little half-assed apology, or, or when he was talking about him doing fact checking, he had said, I want to say it was with AOC, where he said, I think that you should know whether your po- your politicians are liars or not. And that's why he wasn't going to take down any false information. I want you to know that your politicians are liars. There is something to be said for that, knowing that someone has posted something that's racial or, or ra- racist. You know, if somebody posts something that is racist... I think that you should know that that person's racist. Obviously, as we can see, you have all these people who stormed into the Capitol. They're getting, they're losing their jobs, right? I think you, I think you would want to know that people are have racist tendencies or have posted something racist on their social media accounts. I, I, I believe that you know, if it's out in the open, we as the public can make the decision as to whether or not that person deserves to have a job or not. And in the reality, they. do. You know, if we are given the opportunity to choose whether or not they get a job, I think that the public would choose that that person doesn't have a job. You know, I think that it's ironic with all of this, right? When Twitter banned Trump, their stock actually took a hit, you know, and it started to trend downward every single day since roughly, I think it was the 5th, and after it was a little bit before the fifth, and after their stock price started to trend down, the same can be said for Facebook. Although I think their trend downward started right around after Christmas, and I'm not going to sit here and say I don't know if their trend downward was. Ne- it doesn't appear as though it was necessarily due to their actions and the things that happened in at the Capitol during the during the riot. I don't know if that's the reason why. But after that happened, you can definitely see a steady trend downward. So, you know, I'll be honest. The only reason that I was on Twitter was because of Trump. And it's not necessarily because I I like Trump or anything like that. Because I've been vocal personally about the things that I dislike about him. I think he's wild. I think he's unhinged. Some of his policies aren't necessarily all that bad. But him as a person, he's a wild man. But... He was putting policy out on Twitter. So, you know, the only reason that I followed and used Twitter was personally, was to actually look and see what it was that he was saying. So, you know, without that, you know, I'm just one person, but there's lots of people that were definitely going to Twitter to follow along with the things that Trump was saying. You know, when you put out policy, you put out, you know, government policy, or you put out administrative policy or anything like that on on a website, people are going to go there and people are going to follow you. So now that they've banned him, Twitter's taken a a hit in the stock market because people aren't there anymore. I think it's just short-lived, realistically, because Twitter will push past this. But, you know, in a short-lived, you know, stock market thing, they definitely took a hit. You know, with all that being said, you know, does... Anyone really believe that Twitter is a place that people can have really have an open conversation? You know, when I go to Twitter, when I went today, uh, most of it's just trash. Obviously, it's a Sunday, they're talking about sports and everything like that. So that stuff's not really all that bad. It's actually sometimes refreshing. You know, you can have an open forum when it comes to the sports, but with politics, I don't believe so. Um, you know, politics, it's, a, it's an absolute total mess. You know, most of the comments that you see are trash. You know, it's memes and either, you know, most of the time it's trash and Trump or they're for Trump. Those are like the two, the two things that are happening right now. It's either about somebody who supported Trump or about somebody who was against Trump or something like that. You know, most of the things that trend on Twitter are usually negative, unless it's about sports. Typically, it's negative, you know, but that's the way things go, go today negativity gets clicks clicks means more money um, you know but this open forum idea allows people to post whatever they want without the fear of repercussions you know you can post whatever and not care who sees it when you do town halls when you know, when we used to do town halls because that's the idea of what twitter is you know it forced people to stand up go up to a microphone and actually have people see their face you know and it makes you that makes you say things that are appropriate an internet forum can have anything without fear no censorship you don't even have to censor yourself you can say whatever you want to you don't have to care no care of who it hurts you know think back to when you were a kid you know with bullying you know ever since the internet came around the bullying game has completely changed right you know when you know we see an increase in cyberbullying and really, anyone under the age of about 25, you know, here in the beginning of 2021, anybody under the age of 25 probably has either been the target of cyberbullying or has done it. You know, it, it's a it's a rough place out there. It's a it's a rough world. You know, and it's so much easier to bully somebody online. Uh, there is basically zero repercussions, and you don't even have to see the person's face when you say something that hurts them. The person is left alone to deal with the emotions of someone hating them or someone teasing them. You know, this is not to say that bullying doesn't happen because it definitely still does. I'm talking about bullying in person. Bullying in person still happens. You know, kids make fun of each other at school all the time. But online, online is so much different. You can say so many more negative or bad things online you know, once you bring in the internet, it changes everything. MySpace was the first real place that this kind of stuff happened, and then that ended up going away. Eventually, Facebook and Twitter came around, and they started to connect people together. You know, Just so everybody knows, you know, Facebook had a predecessor. Um, it was the thing called Facemash, which was specifically created to rate the hotness of girls at Harvard, you know, but social media, the Facebooks and the Twitters, you know, they have a very easy way of communicating, you know, but this whole open forum idea that that people have thinking Twitter is a great place to have a conversation is crazy. In my opinion, it's what I think it's a total shit show. And most of it is people just posting bullshit all the time. You know, I, the idea of social media is, you know, let me throw my opinion out there and leave. I also I don't have to give a shit about who hears it or who it affects. And I think that that idea needs to change. You know, for all the people that are complaining about Parler being this terrible place to be, yeah, have you seen Twitter? Like, really? Have you gone and you and you looked at Twitter? Have you seen the things that trend on Twitter? Have you read comments that people post on Twitter? Um, you know, at no point, in my opinion, at no point do you ever go to Twitter to feel good about yourself. You know, kicking people off of Twitter only allows one type of speech. You know, that's the speech that you like. It provides this echo chamber where you hear no ideas that are different from your own. And the idea that Parler needs to go because it was used to plan this siege on the Capitol is so odd to me. I just don't I don't understand it. I don't understand why you want to why people want to to ban certain speech off of off of different off these certain platforms. They don't want to hear ideas that are different than their own. So yesterday, I was listening to this podcast from the Daily. I think it was either it was like Wednesdays or Thursdays or Friday's podcast. And in that podcast, they mentioned the fact that the far-right people are having a lot of issues planning their next gathering-slash-protest, which is supposed to be coming up this week. And I think it was actually supposed to happen today, which is Sunday. And then, from what I understand, what I've heard is it's supposed to happen Wednesday during inauguration, supposedly. I don't really know for sure, but I think those are the, those are the two dates that I had heard that it was supposed to happen. Now, I was listening to this podcast, and one of the things that they talked about was the fact that it was Twitter and Facebook that was being used to plan all of this. Right Now, think about that. They, they're talking about how Facebook and Twitter were being planned, used to plan this, right? Facebook and Twitter were the two platforms that predominantly were used to plan this attack. Or the storming of the Capitol. You know, that's the thing. I thought Parlor was being banned for that. I thought Parlor was the place that all the shit was. All the bad people, all the bad things that were being said and done and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was Parler. I find it funny that the same apps that this attack was planned on went ahead and got out in front of the issue and said that they were banning the type of people that did it. I think it's odd that big, the big tech companies are actually the ones to blame. And somehow they have convinced us that they are free from some sort of culpability in this. You know, they all turned their backs while they were making loads of money. And once the public is outraged on something like this, this thing that happened in the Capitol, they end up turning their backs and they say, well, we, we didn't play any role in this. You know, we're not to blame. Well, we're going to do better. Same thing I mentioned earlier. Sorry, we'll do better. The issue with all these big t- tech companies is the fact that they always fuck this up. And then they go before Congress and they put this message out saying, oh, well, I'm sorry. I, we, we messed up. We're new to this. We didn't really know what we were doing. We'll do better next time. I think it's bullshit. And I think they need, they need to change that. I 100% don't think that the government is the place to fix this. At the end of the day banning any kind of speech is a slippery slope. Eventually, the other team might be in charge of the speech that is banned. If you think that hearing the deranged ideas of a crazy person on Twitter is bad right now, imagine hearing the deranged ideas of a crazy person on Twitter and not being able to respond to that person. Because once you set the precedent for speech to be banned, eventually they will be coming for your speech. Um, you know, there's a good example of this in uh, Joe Rogan's latest podcast. Uh, it's some, some, one of these ones from this past week where they talk about banning hate speech. So, anyway, my opinion, Twitter is not innocent in any of this. Neither is Facebook. You know, big Tech is more to blame for these events at the Capitol than many people want to believe. Um, they, they were complicit in all of this, and they continue to mess things up and never take responsibility for their role in anything, Other than saying, oopsie, sorry, we'll do better. Give us a bunch of money. Oh, by the way, we're going to take all your data. Now, they threw blame at this smaller platform and basically just said, oops. So anyway, I'll move on from that. So my issues with politics today and, and some of it has to do a little bit with you know kind of driven we're driven apart with like all those things up top and there I was talking about with Twitter and everything like that but you know here in 2020 2021 I believe that we have become increasingly polarized you know and that's between the two parties in government you know and I'm just going to use these as an example you know when, I'm, when we're talking about guns abortion you know you can't you're not allowed to be pro-gun and pro-abortion or anti-gun and anti-abortion, right? The Republicans are typically, right? If you're going to pick one or the other, you have to be. If you're a Republican, you can't be pro-gun and pro-abortion, right? You can't look at it that way, right? And if you're a Democrat, you cannot be anti-gun and anti-abortion. You're, not, you're just not allowed to be that way. You have to essentially, if you're a Democrat, you essentially have to be pro-abortion and anti-gun, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that it has to be that way, right? Then that's the problem that I have with all of this. The same kind of goes with the Black Lives Matter and the Blue Lives Matter and the All Lives Matter movement, right? If we threw away the All Lives Matter portion of that, right? Can we fit into both of those categories? Are we allowed to to sit back and are we allowed to think that both Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter? you know many people would have you believe that that's not possible that we're not allowed to actually be that way right and and that's the issue you know you don't have to be hard in one direction in my opinion i think you you should you should be able to waft back and forth between the left and the right you should be able to believe policies both left and right you should that's that's the that's the reality you should be able to do that right personally i believe that black lives matter because well they do that doesn't it doesn't seem like that would be a, a a bad thing right but there are people out there that think that black lives matter is a bad thing right i also believe that blue lives matter and there's people out there that believe that blue lives is a bad thing right and it's crazy to me that that people are forcing us to to pick to pick from either either of these and these are just examples this is just an example of The things that we're forced to pick, and therefore that we're forced to choose in our society, right? And that when what this does is, it makes us so much more polarized when we're forced to choose from one or the other, right? You can be pro-gun and pro-abortion, as I said before. You know, personally, I am pro-gun. I think that there should be limitations. You know, and that we should have, you know, these universal background checks. And there's limitations on where you can take your guns and maybe some limitations on the certain types of guns and stuff that, like that that you can have. You know, that's reasonable. But I'm not anti-gun. I am, I'm definitely very much pro-gun. You know, in the same sense, I am also pro-abortion. You know, I think that it has its place in our society, you know, I just think that people should be educated about sex and reproduction so that they understand the risk. But I understand why abortion has its place in our society, and I don't think that we should be able to take that option away. You know, I can rationalize my argument to anyone, the most pro-life person or the most pro-choice person. You know, the the crazy thing to me is we are willing to take our clothes off and, you know, swap bodily fluids with people. When it comes to talking about sex or anything surrounding sex, no, we can't really talk about that. You know, family planning should be part of a couple's conversation, but that's typically not something that people talk about. They have sex without thinking about the long-term impacts because that's awkward. And realistically, if we talk about it before we had sex, most likely we wouldn't end up doing it. And I think that's probably the reason why we don't. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that it's a good option for people to have. I just think that we should talk about it. Same with guns. Guns is a good thing to have. We just have to have a reasonable conversation about guns. My whole point behind all of this is to show how stupid I think it is that politicians and the news makes us feel as though we have to pick one side or the other. I would venture to say that the vast majority of Americans would find themselves towards the center of the political spectrum. But that's not the way the media portrays everything. You know, it makes Americans feel as though everyone is either hard left or hard right by throwing around terms like radical left and alt-right. When you look at what's happening with the voting in Congress and the Senate, we have increasingly started to vote party lines. When they do that, it feels like, I feel like, it makes the rest of Americans think we have to pick one or the other. And if we pick one or the other, then we have to believe everything that that one or the other side follows. Now, that ends up leading me into my third topic, which is Impeachment 2.0. So, this week was mainly highlighted by the fact that Trump was impeached for the second time. Now, I know that this is the second time that this happened for him, And it's the first time in history that a president has been impeached twice. And I would like to think that this is the only time that that's going to happen. But this has set up the precedent for the opposing party to go after the president relentlessly. And I'm not sitting here saying that Trump didn't deserve an investigation into his actions because, uh, you know, he did definitely he did some crazy stuff sometimes so i'm not saying that he doesn't deserve an investigation but i think it went a little bit too far you know if you're going to do this to one president you should do it to all all the presidents should be treated the same you know if they're doing something shady then people should look into it to me you know this second impeachment honestly it means nothing it's almost just a symbolic thing you know from the beginning of the presidency we we kind of knew what was going to end up happening you know, and I'm not t- necessarily talking about you know, the, the impeachment trial here. I'm talking about the whole presidency. Um, you know, this man had a target in his back from day one. You know, really from the day that he said that he was going to run. You know, smear campaigns out the ass. Uh, you know, that's something to be, to be expected. Um, smear campaigns are going to happen. People are going to come out and they're going to say things about you that aren't necessarily true. Or they are true, and they're just trying to discredit you, you know. But eventually, most of the time, that stuff kind of wears off, and, and people move on from it. Um, but this time, it was different. You know, Trump was relentlessly attacked from the beginning, and you know, and people kept betraying him. You know, he couldn't trust people in his administration. He had he had some leaks um, you know, in his department, and you know, he felt like people were conspiring against him. It's not much of a surprise. When you shake things up, you're going to ruffle a few feathers. And realistically, people don't like it. Anyway, from the beginning of all of this, we all knew that impeachment was the goal. Uh, you can see that from the mainstream media. Um, as I mentioned last week with the uh, issues with the FBI, Peter Strzok and everything like that. So we know what the goal was. So they just needed to a way to get to the end. You know, if you watch somebody close enough, eventually you're going to end up finding them doing something legal. Now, I'm not equating the presidency and driving as the same thing, but the reality of it is, is that if you had a, you had been tailed for the last four years by the police and they were watching your every move, scrutinizing every single behavior, don't you think eventually they'd be able to find something that you did wrong? You know, or don't you think they'd be able to find something that might be possibly perceived as illegal? right? And then if it was that small little thing there, then they threw that into, well, we're going to send you to jail for the rest of your life. And that's, like I said, not equating that to the presidency, but that's essentially what happened to Trump. You had a group of people who were just watching his every single move, and you you had a group of people watching his every move with a bias, too. And that's what ended up happening. So, Go back and take a look at the, the voting results from the Clinton impeachment. Right, So Clinton got impeached, I think it was in like 1998 or something like that. And you'll find that some Republicans dissented from the party and voted not guilty in the Senate. And you'll see that there were zero Democrats that voted guilty. Um, and then in the House, you'll see that only five voted for yay to pass the, the articles along to the Senate. So... Right, that's just, that right there is an example of how split the parties are and basically how things are going and kind of sets things up for the idea of what was going to happen during Trump's presidency. Anyway, him being impeached for the second time basically means nothing, at least to me. You know, if they'd have gotten the, the Russia thing to stick or something like that, or if you know, if they had actually gotten, you know, it might be more impeachments. Maybe there were three. But at the end of the day, the House was always going to convict him, I guess, or pass the articles along. However, the verbiage is supposed to go there. And then the Senate was going to acquit. It's how it was going to go. They just weren't going to end up moving on from this. It's just, you know, we all know, you know, we're split. It's the way things, the way things are people are basically voting party lines. As I mentioned before, if you go back and you look at the Clinton thing, the Clinton impeachment, you'll see. You see the voting, you see how split things were back then, and nothing has really changed. Um, you know, it's just pretty crazy for me to, to view it this way. So even if the article's had been passed to the Senate, I don't think that there would be enough Republicans to break away from the party to vote to remove Trump from office. The only way I think that the articles would have passed in the Senate and him for him to be actually convicted would be the idea that the Republicans need to put distance between themselves and the idea of that stuff that happened at the Capitol during the certification of the Electoral College. Right, Some of the senators are going to want to show that they were not mainline followers with Trump from the whole time, right? I think they're doing the kind of the same thing that the social media companies are doing and trying to put as much distance between themselves and Trump as they possibly can so that they aren't perceived as being complicit in any of this stuff, right? Now, with that, I I also think that Ted Cruz is standing by Trump because he wants to be able to siphon off those really staunch Trump supporters whenever he goes to run for president, which I'm thinking he's going to run in 2024 or 2028, whenever he gets the next opportunity. you know, And that also might be the same reason why Josh Hawley is there with him as well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley as the presidential and vice presidential nominees in 2024 or 2028, if they get the, the chance, you know. But nonetheless, I don't think that this impeachment changes anything for the Trump supporters that really believe in him. I watched the things that the Democratic Party did during the impeachment trial and Trump's presidency, and I understand that they had it out for him from the beginning. Ultimately, you have to prove some sort of illegal thing that Trump did wrong, And I think that that's the difficult thing to do. I agree that he should probably be censured or something like that, but I don't really think that they have any kind of legal way of being able to prove that he has done anything wrong. As I've mentioned before, a lot of the way that we view these politicians is like our favorite sports team star, right? The number one guy on the team, the guy that gets paid the most is the quarterback or something like that. You know, he can do no wrong. And we view these politicians and everybody with these preconceived biases and we don't actually take an objective view of any of this stuff. I believe that if people took an actual no shit objective view at our politicians they would realize that the vast majority of them are not in in it for the betterment of the united states or the american population they are in in it for the betterment of themselves that's everything for trump and everything that he's got going on he'll be gone here soon so we'll see what happens with joe biden as we move on from trump's presidency so my last topic of the day is I want to talk about these stock market influencers. Now you might think you might be wondering what it, what the hell it is that I'm talking about, and I don't know if stock market influencer is necessarily the right topic or the right way of describing some of these people. Um, but it's definitely something that is out there, and I think that they're I think that they're out there. So. Anyway, something, this is something that I have noticed over the last two years, one to two years in trading in the stock market, and I've really started to notice it recently, mainly in the last year since Robinhood has become so big. And I'm not going to use the term uh, unsophisticated to describe the Robinhood traders that many do online. Robinhood traders are typically the people, the type of people, that end up falling victim to these stock market influencers. And I'll give a few examples of these here in, here in a minute. So I believe that people that operate these YouTube channels and TV shows, they have an obligation to put out quality information and understand their influence. They operate these YouTube channels with the idea of giving people advice while saying, at the end, do your own research, knowing full well that the Robinhood traders typically don't know what they're doing, and they don't know how to do their own research. You know, They got into the market because they saw that people were making a lot of money doing it, but they don't understand what it is that they're doing when they buy certain stocks. I think that what Robinhood did by offering commission-free trades was a good thing because it reduces the amount of money that the average person has to pay to invest in the stock market. It also forced other companies like E-Trade and Fidelity and I think Charles Schwab is still around to reduce their pricing. You know, the issue with all of this, you know, it allows people that don't know what they're doing to get into the market. And when you allow people that don't know what they're doing to get into the market, inevitably what will happen is they'll get taken advantage of. And this is the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So, you know, last year, this is a, a couple of examples here. Last year, at the beginning of the beginning or the middle of the year, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember seeing a, I got a, a, a Yahoo News alert or a Yahoo Finance alert on my phone, and it was a it was a video of Jim Cramer and Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. So Jim Cramer operates a show called Mad Money. And Dave Portnoy, I think this year, has recently gotten into day trading. And he is the CEO or the founder of Barstool Sports. So Jim Cramer was given advice on a stock called Nordic American Tankers. And at the time, Nordic American Tankers was sitting at about dollars and $3.18, $3.18 a share. And while watching, you could see the price move. And what basically what was happening was Jim Cramer was telling him that he should buy it. He thought that it was a good thing. He kind of gave him some background information. He said, yeah, go ahead and throw some money into it. And basically, as that was happening, the price was moving, right? It ended up, while I watched, I ended up eventually backing out and going away. But while I was watching, the price had gone all the way up to three hundred three dollars 40 a share, roughly right in that area. And that was a span from about 10 to 15 minutes. Now, I didn't follow... What had happened afterwards, but in about ten to fifteen minutes, a conversation between Jim Kramer and Dave Portnoy, thrown on the internet, ended up moving the stock price twenty cents. That's not a lot, but when you're trading with millions of dollars or even hundreds hundreds of thousands of dollars, you you can profit off of that type of conversation when twenty cents a share is what it is what it moves. So. Basically, what I take is thousands of people were watching that live stream and started pumping money into Nordic American tankers, which ended up pushing the price higher. No one—it doesn't seem as though anybody had like then all of a sudden sold everything out or anything like that. But it still happened. Yeah, I don't. I also don't think that Jim Cramer or Dave Portnoy were doing anything wrong there. I don't feel as though you know, Portnoy had bought in prior to that conversation. And then all of a sudden, sold everything as the, as the stuff was going up. But just having a conversation, you know, holds true to the concept for other smaller channels. I recently watched a video by this uh, another YouTuber that I had found here recently, called Coffeezilla, and he was he did an interview. It was like an hour long interview. I think it was called, like, Confessions of a Crypto YouTuber, and essentially what had happened was this, this crypto YouTuber, he had realized that every time he would do a video, he influenced the market. He would pump up a coin, like, he would say something about, a, about one particular type of Bitcoin, and it would influence the price eventually he got to the point where he was like, I think that this is unethical and I shouldn't be doing this anymore. And I I feel bad because he's getting emails from people talking about how he he recommended something and then they lost all their money and everything like that. So that was definitely a weird, a weird situation. It's a good conversation to go listen to. And it just kind of opens your eyes up to, to look and see what's actually happening in the stock market. So you realistically can try to not be a victim of this of these stock market influencers yourself. So another example, uh, Carol Baskin. Anybody who doesn't know who that is—that's uh, the the basically the the target uh, of Joe Exotic from Tar- uh, Tiger King. So she operates this like big cat. Re- I think it's Big Cat Rescue down in uh, North Carolina or Georgia or Florida or something like that. One of those southern states. So anyway, she did a cameo video. About Zometica, which is a medical company or something—I don't really know what what the hell it is—they did do. But after she did this cameo, she the stock for Zometica increased about two hundred and seventy percent. So she said something about how, you know, they use that that company does a lot to help their their cats there at the at the big cat rescue, and you know, if, if you if you look at this stock, right, if you look at the volume and everything like that, the number of shares that traded hands and everything the days leading prior, you can see that there is actually, like, three or four days prior to the release of this video on YouTube, you see a huge spike. And I'm talking, like, hundreds of thousands or millions, millions of shares trade hands in a few days prior to this huge spike. Then, on, I think it was the 8th of January, the the video where she talks about Zometica goes on Cameo, or on Cameo, and it gets gets released on YouTube. So then after that, right, the next couple of days, they actually had spiked up to a billion, one billion shares in volume, which is significantly higher than what they usually trade. Once that happened, it spiked up real high, and then eventually it, it ended up returning back to reality. And now what I would say is this is kind of a modern day pump and dump. Um, Now, I personally, I don't know if there's any kind of thing that went on here that would be considered illegal, but I definitely think that this would be unethical. You know, I, I definitely also think that someone probably made millions doing this or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this especially since that stock was sitting at about $0.50 cents a share before the cameo was done, and then it spiked to $1.30 a share after that. So and I'm not blaming Carol Baskin for any of this. I, I think that whoever it was that paid her to do this cameo is likely the person who benefited from this. Now, like I said, I personally don't know if that's illegal. It doesn't sound like it would be. Because you're just benefiting off of something that someone else said but it's just a crazy thing to have happened and if you look at the volume a couple of days prior in the spike of the day prior somebody probably bought a couple hundred thousand or a million shares of this zometica stock and likely sold it off right after they right after they saw the shares start to spike up to a dollar you, know, you you just doubled you just doubled everything that you had, and you get you get in you get out real quick, and you actually have zero tie to it other than the fact that you gave Carol Baskin three hundred dollars to mention this stock on a on a on a cameo. Something to pay attention to and to look out for. Now this last example is an example of someone or of people who are doing things and trading when they don't know what they're doing. So. Anyone who has been around saw Elon Musk tweet use Signal. That was it. That's all he did. He just tweeted use Signal. He wasn't talking about a particular company or anything. He's just talking about this app, use Signal, right? And Twitter, you know, and this is with the issues with Twitter and Parler, right? So then, um, after he tweeted that, the stock for a company called Signal Advance increased, right? It went from around six dollars a share to $37 a share. And that tells you that shows you the influence that one person like Elon Musk has, right? And that was that was fairly quickly. I think it was like a day or two days or something like that that it ended up happening. And you might think, well, that's really no big deal because, you know, Signal is about to get a bunch of users and it makes sense that people would want to buy into a company like that because they're about to get a bunch of users and they want to be able to profit off of the increased in number of users. The issue is the fact that signal advance has absolutely nothing to do with the signal that Elon Musk is talking about. This is a perfect example of people not having a clue of what they're doing in the stock market. right? and that's why they what's why the Robin Hood users get this get this negative stigma thrown their way of saying that they're unsophisticated stock market traders because you have Elon Musk mention something, then people just blindly go and look to see if it has a stock associated with it. They didn't even look to see what the company did. People started throwing money into it. Just so you know, that stock is now probably trading at $7 a share, so it was at 6 It shot up to 37 and then it stayed up to 37 for like three or four days, I think, or something like that, and then it came back to reality because everybody realized the company has nothing to do with Signal, with the actual app. The two, the two are completely different, you know? But I guess you can throw it up to, you know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. So tons of people probably lost money doing that, but they're all stupid for doing it. I just, I don't understand how, you, how that ends up happening. You know, this is why you have to do your research and look into the things that you're buying instead of just trying to, you know, ride the FOMO. Uh, it's FOMO is fear of missing out if you don't know what that is. So it's just it's dumb. I, I just maybe the maybe that company was a good maybe it was a good time to buy. Maybe six dollars is a good a good time to buy. Maybe thirty seven dollars is a fair value for that company. Um maybe, you know, but there's gonna be people that ended up losing tons and tons of money having tried to bank on, I don't want to say meme stocks, but essentially it's a meme stock. So it's kind of ridiculous. People need to do their research. They need to actually look into the things that they're buying instead of buying because they're going to miss out on something. In closing, um, you know, with Martin Luther King Jr. Day coming up tomorrow, I think that it is important for everyone to remember you know, his life and take a look at what he did for civil rights in the United States, especially with everything that has happened over the past year here in the United States it's something to definitely remember. Uh, as we move forward in society, we can we can actually work together and make this a better place for everyone to live, regardless of the bullshit that these politicians end up saying. You know, I probably mentioned this before, but I think it's a, you know, a good thing. Take the opportunity tomorrow to listen to the I Have a Dream speech. You know, it's definitely worth listening to and it's not really going to take up all that much time of your day. So, wake up in the morning you know, or anytime really take a, take a listen to it and, uh, you know, remember what was going on when he put those words together. So anyway, that's all I got. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe.